Join us for PR Safari, a podcast by Center for Public Relations. PR Safari, your ultimate guide to navigate the complex PR landscape in Africa. Find us at www.cpr.africa. Hello, my name is Chris Wangalua. Our guest and guide for this episode is George Mulahui. George is a seasoned storyteller with a bias for telling the technology story from an African point of view. He is Director of Corporate Communication at Telcom Kenya. In this episode, we focus on litigation communication and its brothers and sisters. So litigation communication, first of all, let's just break it down. So there's litigation and then there's communication. You could also just paraphrase the whole thing and talk about legal PR just to simplify it better. So you're looking at the processes or the activities or key milestones within the period during and after a legal process. And, uh, you know, litigation processes in themselves could be from a point of um, negotiations, a bit of arbitration. And if things go fully south, then you have to go the legal route, you know, before a court of law. Now, the communication bit comes in from a very important standpoint. And I think uh, one of our colleagues the other day had a very interesting post on his LinkedIn page where he talked about, let's also appreciate that there is brand positioning and then there is reputation management. And when it comes to legal uh, PR or litigation communication, you really focus more on the latter, and that is a reputation management. Because mm-hmm. at the end of the day, when the spotlight is only from a legal lens, there are many questions that come up. And usually it's never very good questions, you know. You then find yourself having to appreciate a whole new set of stakeholders you've never really mapped before. Normally we say that the brand has its playbook, it knows these are its key stakeholders, these are the key messages, this is its brand story for the year, and you're good. Hardly ever do we then at least do a basic desktop exercise to say that what if things went south from a legal point of view? So now to answer your question, having given the context, I believe PR specialists or practitioners need to then sit down and always think of worst case scenarios that is you know a very important bit they need to fully assess the entire set of stakeholders they have and look at potential legal issues that may arise in my field it could be from a point of a regulatory you know challenge or maybe a service issue hence maybe a client is aggrieved or it could be maybe a business partner is also seeking reprieve the same thing may apply for different organizations so Litigation communications really is about that strategic mapping of all your stakeholders, understanding all potential legal issues that may come up, and then how do you go about engaging and executing a playbook that pretty much helps to remedy the situation before it gets out of control. You, see, you, you know, have to give us an example. I can just give generic examples considering, yes. you know, again, one of the key things I tell practitioners, you can never litigate in public. So, you know, just a, a basic example would be in the realm of an aggrieved employee who then feels that they were wrongly terminated or who feels that perhaps it was a case of discrimination or something. And, you know, they usually say that in most cases, the legal framework will favor the employee who has been aggrieved because they believe it's the employer who's on the wrong. And then again, the precedent has been set that way anyway. So you will find that now, as I said, you know, based on the earlier context, the lens is on you. 
you must have done something wrong as the employer. You must have not followed the process as an employer. You must have really, quote-unquote, not liked this employee to make them then go to court to seek reprieve or to basically, you know, seek justice, as it were. So you find at that point you are then forced to, you know, ask the tough questions. And in my experience, the usual question is to go back to, you know, my colleagues in legal, my colleagues in HR and ask, okay, how long has this issue been going on for? And that's where usually the problem starts. You find out that they've been in conversation with this employee for the longest. But then, unfortunately, they didn't bother to let you know in communications that there could be a potential risk. Mm -hmm. You find out that there's a potential risk when the business has been served. And you wonder, okay, how did we get to this point without knowing? So you're then having to catch up with the process. So in my experience, you know, different organizations has always been a case of having to have very robust conversations with my colleagues, especially in HR or in legal, to understand the issue. At this point, of course, it's already festered and you're already having to deal with potential bad press because sometimes the issues will be very um, attractive to a court, be it journalist, who then says, no, this is a very good story, mm-hmm. especially if the employee is suing for you know millions of shillings and there's a likelihood that will actually win the case, especially if it comes from an organization that has hardly ever been in the press for the wrong reasons from a legal point of view as well. So to sort of like bring this matter home, I, I, I find myself having to advise practitioners that we really have to be involved in the business and especially with those stakeholders who sometimes don't want to be you know engaged too much and no offense to them i understand their main allegiances to the business but they also need to understand that sometimes being too quiet or trying to keep things you know muzzled eventually they will come out especially if they do have a legal viewpoint so I do challenge practitioners to find ways of uh, really being business partners to the legal teams. That way then uh, legal teams see communication specialists as people who can assist them. And that interests me a lot Mm. because this almost negligence, I don't know whether we say from communication or from the (laughs) other departments, because Mm -hmm. so somebody was summarily fired or Mm -hmm. terminated for that matter. And I'm knowing this six months later. There you go. What do you mean I'm knowing this six months later as a communications person, number one? And what do you mean Mm -hmm. I'm knowing this later as a HR person or legal? What is it that Mm -hmm. we are supposed to do as an organization, not as comms or HR or any other, Mm -hmm. to be able to synergize all these flows of information so that we do not even need to meet face-to-face, but I need to know? Actually, there's a lot, but I think I'll I'll narrow it down to two key things. So one is with the existing processes. We usually say that around the months of October, November, many organizations sit down to start mapping their plans for the future year. Now, for some departments, especially if it's audit, if it's risk, if it's legal, if it's HR, there could be legacy issues that they have already identified from that current year that perhaps may spill over to the next year. When you're working on your strategies for the, you know, the corporate strategy full year for the next year, let's just assume, you know, sake of argument, we're back in October 2023 and we are talking about strategy for 2024. So legal or HR or risk or audit come and tell us that there are, you know, XYZ issues that we discovered or pretty much are looking into and the likelihood of there being some certain levels of exposure is high and maybe there may be some conversations that may find their way permeating into the public domain by the months of February or March or April. How then can we, you know, work together to ensure that from a communication standpoint, you're assisting us to then anchor the message back towards 
the vision of the organization so that there is not too much exposure that erodes you know brand equity so to speak so the first answer to your question is the strategic conversations that happen towards end of year where you can now map out risks for the full year next year that's an important bit but another important element that for me helps to then remedy on the short term is how engaged are we with our colleagues from the different departments you know as much as we hate to say it there's a lot of um, silo working that still happens sometimes it's totally subconscious but it does happen where i feel okay my contract requires me as an employee of the business to be extremely confidential with issues that come to my department mm-hmm. therefore i can't let chris know what's going on and he can let me know what's going on in his side. We essentially are respecting the contractual obligations of the business. However, we have to be pragmatic. Where, again, something that now I've also had to introduce very strongly in my department, now that's the second phase of what I was going to give you as an answer, is having very robust business partnership frameworks within different departments, such that every other month, if maybe there is a holistic team meeting of you know HR, legal, whatever the department, you are sending someone from your team as a business partner there to basically get to appreciate the issues of the month, the issues of the week, the issues of the quarter. So as you rightfully said, there'll be no surprise of this has been going on for three months, I didn't know. You know, again, over time, as you engage your different colleagues in different departments, they get to appreciate that what they do not see as being a crisis is actually a potential crisis from, mm-hmm. from, from the lens of a communications person. But the only way they'll get to see that is if they're actually engaging with you more regularly. You know, there was a time in a past life I literally had to tell my boss, I think we need to do an internal roadshow where different departments basically every week via the communications function, we are doing a know your X department. So in this case, it would be know your finance department, know your HR department, know your legal department. And that then, first of all, helps to remove that feel that there's a Chinese screen between one department and another. Secondly, it also helps people to understand that these are the things that happen within that function. I actually need to take much more interest because there's a lot more I can learn from these guys based on now that appreciation of what sort of work they do. So there's that need to also be deliberately interested to know what your other colleagues handle. Because if you don't, then you'll be surprised that there's actually a lot you can do for them from a communications point of view and vice versa. You know, they usually say that um, your colleagues in admin, there's nothing much. They're basically just making sure operations you know, function as they should, that you can turn the lights on and the building is okay. You are sure that there's, you know, running water and what, you know, the basic things. But there's much more to it. You know, we forget that there's the health, uh, safety and environment component. Mm-hmm. There's the whole OSHA component. And there'll be sometimes when uh, some assessments are being done, what if you don't meet the threshold? Already there is a potential crisis as yeah. well. So it's always about that regular interfacing with other departments to be able to appreciate what they're doing. What they may not see as a potential crisis could be a crisis for you to look into. A simple issue as maybe one of your drivers crashing into a billboard or maybe, God forbid, crashing into a kiosk or a stall or something. And, you know, for them, they're thinking it's just an admin issue. We'll get the car fixed and they move on. But then when the age of social media 
someone mm-hmm. takes a picture of their car and uh, you are not told that we had an accident earlier and then later you see it's trending that uh, that organization has very bad drivers or that photo mm-hmm. begins to trend five years from now and that has actually happened i mean i've seen enough brands where things that happened three four five years ago where someone was uh, you know involved in the strike and there the very first image you see is that brand you're thinking <laughs> so was that brand sponsoring the strike <laughs> I know the worst part is I can't really mention names, but it was the the the, the image on the T-shirt coincidentally happened to be a competitor brand for the company's uh, employees that were actually demonstrating. So it, it really raised very many interesting, conflicting questions, you know. Uh, so yeah, you're right. So the internet never forgets. Five years later, something may happen. So it's always about that planning. Hey, look, George, uh, one of our vehicles had an accident yesterday, ABCD, the registration number is this, just in case something happens, you know. It doesn't hurt to just give me that information. I can tell you, maybe nothing will happen out of it. Or it's good we know, let's just keep on mapping. Perhaps this may need us to have a holding statement ready just in case something does happen. You know, So there's always that aspect of keeping on the interfacing with your colleagues on different departments so they understand the potential risk. Because those could be legal risks at some point. So as you can see, it's actually not just about the interfacing only with the legal department per se. It's about interfacing with other departments that over time may also have legal exposure. One thing that I hope we as practitioners will get to really appreciate is our role is really broadening. And the more we engage ourselves with the businesses we are in, the more value we'll give. It reminds me of a book by um, the founder of Daystar University, his name is Dr. Donald Kendall Smith. Still alive, a very interesting gentleman. He talked about in his book, Creating Understanding, there were 23 propositions of communication. And proposition number one for me still rings true to this day. Communication is involvement. And actually, I think I've got in our answer, communication is involvement, mm-hmm. not communication. So communication <laughs> is involvement. And in it, he simply says, communication cannot take place if there is no involvement. In the simplistic, most simplest form, it simply then means that you cannot get a baseline for where to start off if you don't engage with the business. So are we engaging with the business enough? Are we involving ourselves with the business enough such that we're identifying potential news angles, such that we're identifying potential risk angles, such that we're identifying potential opportunities for us to actually maybe position the brand as a good employer? There are so many aspects which we actually look into over and above just the legal perspective. But net, I believe it is about the involvement bit. Something you say very interesting, the subconscious bit of it, where say, whatever department it is, whatever they see as casual is Mm -hmm. critical to the organization and only you could probably tell or see it that way. HR will tell you things they think you need to hear. They just feel this is what probably you need to know, same to legal, same to... At the end of the day, the reason why I'm raising this is because I feel (laughs) the same way the CEO is able to know Of course, they're not able to know everything 100%, but Mm -hmm. able to tell and see and feel Mm -hmm. the way the organization is flowing. I don't know where we can squeeze comms so they are able to screen that way as well because then they are able to see clearly even the unsaid. Mm. Is there a system that can be created? Interesting. I don't know whether there is something like that. Look, I think it all depends on an organization. You know, the same way a doctor would give you a different prognosis, whatever it is, another doctor, another prognosis. What I would say is it all goes back to culture. 
to be honest. I was just reading your your post on LinkedIn and culture. But oh, culture really. So. There you go. And it actually came back to mind. So thank you for bringing it up. Uh-huh. But culture is, you know, the shadow of the leader. And I feel, as controversial as this may sound, a communication professional does get to infuse a lot of that culture from, you know, the leadership based on what they sort of proposed as important for the business to consider. If it starts from the very, very top, where you in comms in your regular touch points with the boss are able to make them appreciate that there are certain things that we need to start looking at differently. You know, every CEO, most CEOs or most MDs have their weekly or regular touch points with their different direct reports. And in those sessions, uh, you know, they'll be given uh, updates on the different, you know, some organizations use OKRs, others KPIs, others, you know, balance scorecards and all that stuff. But the the fundamental basis is you're updating your boss. Question is, how does that report get packaged? Does it indicate that these are potential risks? I feel we need to escalate to comms. These are potential risks. I feel we need to escalate to legal and comms. These are potential risks. We need to escalate maybe to the health and safety and environment department or something so that there is that consistent interfacing amongst departments. It can only be permanently enculturated if it is also being practiced by leadership. So if executive leadership can practice that approach, then it becomes a bit easier for departments to appreciate that we are not sounding or looking as if we are failing by escalating a potential risk. If anything, by virtue of us bringing it up, it then shows that we are brave enough to actually believe that we have a team that can help us to resolve this issue, number one. But more importantly, that we are really looking out for the longer-term good of the business. You know, you and I, being in this profession enough times, have come across situations where you wonder, how did this issue get to where it is now? One, there are many opportunities to remedy you know, the matter. And sometimes it's a matter within the public domain, within the public sector, sometimes in the private sector. And you wonder, you know, all the opportunities that existed to actually remedy the issue early enough. Funny enough, the gatekeeper that could have helped to remedy this issue was a comms person, you know, then with the support of maybe the overall leadership. So to answer your question, I believe it's a joint effort of comms working in concert with overall leadership to then bring about a cultural shift in the business such that people see the value of escalating issues accordingly. End of day, really, it just demonstrates that there's so much opportunity for comms to get so much more done. In our organization, we have this culture where we read one book, all of us. So there's this book by Bob Iger. Is it Iger or Iger? The Disney CEO. Mm -hmm. And one of the things we realized from his Mm -hmm. book was that there were two people always by his side. Mm-hmm. The comms person and the CFO. Interesting combination there. Always. Everything he raised, every thought he had, comms and CFO. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. To me, that was very important. And one of the things you've said was how to designate comms into departments. For instance, the PA to the CEO mm-hmm. ideally should be the comms department. True. And interesting you bring that up. In a past life, I pretty much I'm very proud of this particular intervention where we said we need to bring about an interesting set of intentional dialogue. The idea was just to make sure the partners are talking to each other. So coming up with the concept of what you call dialogue group leaders where, you know, 
if you perhaps realize there's something happening and you maybe don't feel that you have the comfortability from a break English approach to go and you know escalate the issue, talk to the dialogue group leader and have the issue escalated, so to speak. Somehow, somehow that matter will find its way to the right pair of ears through that framework and the issue will be resolved. You know, so it's interesting you talk about this organization where they have a you know the PR guy and, and, and the CFO. Maybe then somehow it's a case of uh, I'm just trying to understand, <laughs> you know, how that particular combination came up. But for me, just to answer your question, I feel as long as there's intentional dialogue. In this case, for me, it's coming up with dialogue group leaders. It fully, fully, you know, worked in making sure that intentional dialogue took place. As long as the comms person is in the right place in a place where you know of influence like you rightfully said that you know the EA to the boss i think then that there will be a lot more appreciation what the role could do in fact sometimes i ask myself maybe it should be a case of us in comms also pushing for there to be a communications champion per se in every single department over and above having a business partner from your department being there there should be someone in that department who speaks you know the legal speak who you know the finance speak the tech speak and all that who also is able to further translate the importance of communications to his people in a way they understand. Hence now the, the, the choice of term I use, dialogue group leaders. People who, you know, Chris will look at and say, yeah, he's actually my colleague. Uh, so when he breaks down that message in a way that I understand in our own lingo, maybe within the technology space, I'll be able to fully believe what he's saying. As opposed to George coming there to give us this, you know, 17 slide presentation that just has lots of pictures and infographics and we're just thinking, yeah, he has fun doing all this coloring stuff. But what am I really getting out of it, you know? But when Chris comes and says, look, it's like this analogy. We are working with this equation. And he uses that equation and he translates the comms message via that, analogizes the equation, and it makes sense to me. That's fine. So for me, the dialogue group leadership approach really made a lot of sense because you're then, you know, dealing with ambassadors within that function. I love the, the choice you use of the EA. Again, the EA is one of the most trusted employees for the CEO. And when they come and say, I believe there's a communications problem, the CEO will listen. Yes. You know, because this, this is someone who's really pretty much like uh, his eyes and ears on the ground, ideally. So, yes, there should be that opportunity for us in comms to then perhaps you know, take up an assignment where we say over and above having communication business partners from our function into the rest of the business, what are we doing to then further infuse our profession into the business itself? I actually do agree with that approach, actually giving me an idea as well. But yeah, for us, I think the dialogue group leader approach has really been the best so far. Give us a bit of your career progress. So while in uni, I got an opportunity to double in I would call it an internship of sorts at uh, Access Kenya. I really hadn't seen that coming, to be honest. So just an opportunity that came up because someone was away. So it was a contingent role, so to speak, for a, a specific period of time. And I, I, I pretty much knew I'd be there for maybe about uh, four or five months. Now, to be honest, you find yourself jumping into a technology space and the first thing that comes to mind is, what am I doing here? Because all you hear every day is terminologies and uh, acronyms and abbreviations. And people seem to be communicating. In a whole sentence, there could be 17 acronyms and Maybe there's only, you know, one phrase that perhaps you could understand. We need to, then someone goes into a whole set of acronyms. 
So day one for me while at Access Kenya Group, now Internet Solutions, was uh, a case of serious introspection. What am I doing here? You know, but funny enough, two into three weeks while there, I realized I had this opportunity to really pursue communications from a fairly you know new area that I never really thought about. So what I call technology communication for me then became born then in terms mm-hmm. of interest. So I was in Access Kenya for about three years. Then opportunity came up to double in agency, something I'd also wanted to do for quite a while. I was at Apex. Back then it was just Apex. Then eventually it merged with Porto Novelli to become Apex Novelli and worked with the famous LG, as we call him, Lawrence mm-hmm. Kikaru. But it was a very brief stint because I felt the tech bug calling me back. And I found myself then, you know, getting an opportunity to apply at, at uh, Telcom Kenya and I, I went back into TK. And it has been an interesting journey ever since because at every stage where you feel that perhaps you have done what you had wanted to do within the t- technology space, an opportunity for further growth would come up. And it's been a case of, you know, milestone after milestone after milestone for the last maybe 13 years. Uh, while in that organization to now, you know, heading the um, entire communication brief um, and pretty much, you know, being responsible for very robust, you know, brand in terms of the communication brief as it is. So that would be the journey that people, you know, pretty much may have been trying to piece or dot, you know, like the the connectors, so to speak. And uh, here I am many, many years later. I've loved this conversation, George. Mm-hmm. Thank you very much for making the time, and uh, hopefully we can have deeper discussions even further. Absolutely. Many thanks as well for inviting me.